0: Life Stories with me, Neil Cagram, and today we're joined by David English. David, (laughs) the Loon. (laughs) really appreciate your time today.
1: Well Neil, I'm proud and honoured to be here and to be asked the questions, because as you know where I live, between somewhere between nowhere and goodbye, (laughs) it's hard to find it, and for you to come along and ask me questions is it's very nostalgic for me, sentimental.
0: No, it's a complete honour for myself. Well, bless your heart.
1: It's uh, been, well we'll start by saying that, I okay, Go on, off you go.
0: Yeah, so I just want to take you all the way back. Yeah. So, you're
1: born in Brentford, Middlesex. Yeah. yeah. What
0: your earliest memories of cricket?
1: Right. Well, I was actually born in uh, Isleworth. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, next to the Sky Studios, yeah. Neil. And I always loved cricket. I used to, I lived in Hendon. Yeah. And I used to go up to Hendon Park with my sister. And she used to bowl to me. And we used to put the three stumps on the old air age shelter wall there and play cricket from dusk to dawn. Dawn to Dusk. It's something I always loved doing. Right. I also play football as well. I've, I've loved all sport, really. I went to eight different schools, uh, all, mainly in North London, and cricket was always my main passion. And um, I was on the ground staff at Lords. Yeah, that's when I mentioned Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Jim Fairbrother was the head of the ground staff there. Uh, but Don Wilson, Don Wilson was the head of cricket there. And I used to get paid three and six an hour. And it was fantastic, Neil, working at the most wonderful place, the sacred kind of heart of cricket in the world. I felt such an honour, you know, sweeping up and whatever. And then used to play for the Cross Arrows, which is the ground staff uh, at Laws. We used to play on the nursery end. You, so you were you you're a batsman or a bowler? I'm uh, an uh, uh, all uh, rounder. All rounder? Yeah. Left hander, uh, dashing, <laughs> <laughs> dashing here and there, and a uh, medium pace uh, right arm bowler. But I batted, um, the people I always admired was Gary Sobers was my hero, I think. But I think Gao was the most graceful and effortless, Lara, people like that. I was certainly nothing like them. But they do, they do actually give you something to strive for, don't they? You get mm. influenced by them. Mm. So I was just happy to be part of the team. When I was captain. I used to make people laugh, so they made me captain and said so the ground staff, Lord, da da Then I played for Middlesex, the second team. And then I, my club was Mill Hill Village, yeah. and I was there one day with. Um, I, I, when I left school, I, I went into the newspaper business, uh, Evening News and uh, the Daily Mail, um, doing a bit of writing here and there. Then I went to Decca as their press officer. Now I started a record label called RSO with yeah. Michael Robert Stigwood, and. Um, the Bee Gees and Eric Clapton etc but I also wrote these children's books called Bunbury Tales Mm. about rabbits playing cricket and we had um, a TV series on the BBC called You and Me and Jan Brichter was the illustrator and one day we're at Mill Hill Village watching the cricket and a rabbit ran across the field and I said hey there's Ian Buntham (laughs) I said yeah look there'll be Viv Radish from Bunny Bados and there'll be Raj Bunt from Bungalore and as I was rabbiting on, excuse the pun, he was sketching. And I said, yeah, we can go football, we can have uh, Lur Buns, the motor racing, and then Buns United. Anyway, so it led to 16 books. You know, they became the Bumby Tales for the books. So you t- if we just rewind back slightly, so yeah. you said you represented
0: Middlesex, yeah. second Second team, yeah. You played for the MCC representative Yeah, MCC, teams. yeah, yeah. Did you ever wanted to play professional cricket long-term, or was it just kind of something you
1: were just saying as a question well you know Neil I always think you only have one life and as I said to you before life's a roundabout the rides there's so many rides to ride on I don't think I was good enough to be a first class cricketer maybe I had the talent but you've got to have the patience Mm. and you've got to be able to practice and all that and that was never really my game I've never really practiced at anything to be honest with you Neil it's always been impulsive or spur of the moment type of thing uh, that's the way I've been so to be a cricketer you'd have to get in there every day and work out and run around and do that and, and so I think the things that went went with it. I probably wouldn't have been uh, um, Quite as industrious So I think I may have had the talent, but I fancied doing lots of things So is that how the opportunity how did the opportunity come about with with Decca? Well, uh, what, a, what a good question the, the, the first one was. Was you supervising kind of the Rolling Stones? Yeah, 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 yeah. So. yeah. Do you want me to tell you that story? Well, I, I shall I briefly tell you how it builds up. Anyway, we we're playing cricket one day at Hendon Park, and the ball ran out into the road, and I ran after it, and I was run over, bof. And my father thought I got run over on purpose, not to do my A levels. He actually <laughs> said, Dave, I said, Dum. so I'm in the old neurosurgery wing at Whittington Hospital, and I um, had a big bump on my head. And my first job, I went to the Evening News mm. and the Daily Mail. And the advertisement director said, um, you're the boy who's just hitchhiked around Africa. I went hitchhiking around Africa with a friend of mine and started getting a bit groggy because the head was a bit dodgy. Mm. He said, uh, come around here. He said, feel the back of my head. So this was the advertisement director. And he had a bump. He said, right, you start Monday. So I got the job because he'd been run over, both been run over. Right. <laughs> and I got paid £8 pounds an hour, £8 pounds a week. Mm. But if I sold 10 times my salary in advertising, you got another £5. So I realised that incentive is a very big thing in life. Mm. So I was getting about £300. I had a Morgan sports car going up and down Fleet Street. And then one day I was at Creedence Clearwater Revival, the um, rock and roll show, and the CBS press officer said to me, Dave, do you know that Decker are looking for a press officer mm. and Sir Edward Lewis, the chairman, loves cricket? Right. So I phoned up there. and uh, Hello, chairman's office. <laughs> and I said, hello, sir, uh, madam, um, Sir Edward Lewis, I want to apply for this job as head of uh, press and public relations. And uh, the lady said, what's your background? I said, well, well, I was on the Lord's ground staff, and a voice from behind said, tell him to come down here now. And I go down to nine Nyanair, up an embankment, and there's Sir Edward Lewis. And all he said to me was, what's Dennis Compton like? I said, well, he's a great man, uh, Sir Edward. What's your high score? I said, we have got 100 at Lord's, you know, for the Cross Arrows good he said well we've got the rolling stones here tom jones engelbert marmalade he said and um uh, you can start monday we'll give you 50 pounds a week and you'll be at 18 great marlborough street and you'll have secretaries and they'll have a staff um as long as you keep in touch with me about the cricket so he loved cricket so i've got one job through being run over another job because the boss loved cricket can you imagine that then one day there's a commotion in great marlborough street there neil and um there's a, an old Rolls-Royce there and Barry Gibbs car had broken down. Mm. So I went down. He went, ha, <laughs> ha, I said, Barry, I'm Dave from Decker upstairs. Oh, hello, mate. He said, my, my wheel's gone. You can't help me, can you? I said, yeah, of course I will, Baz. So I helped him get the AA and the RAC. And I shook hands. I said, we'll meet again. You know that, don't you? He said, I hope we do one day. And then um, a few years later, I got a call from Robert Stigwood's secretary, Ginny Smythe, and said... Mr. Stigwood would like to meet you, and I go along there, and on the way, Neil, the evening news Star Standard selling the papers, paper, and it was the red cow in Japan, was lucky, so okay. this is part of the story, so I go there, and there's this huge office at um, 67 Brook Street, mm. and it was a glass table uh, held up by four stone lions, and this gentleman with a florid expression sat behind it, and said, I know all about you. And I thought there's somebody else in the office. So I'm looking around, I thought, he's a nutter, you know, excuse my language. And he said, now, look, we're going to start a record label and you're the one. I said, right. oh, thank you, Robert. Now, what should we have for a logo? I said, well, red cow, lucky in Japan. Mm. Fine, red cow. Right, said, so now at the moment, um, uh, Eric, the cream Eric Clapton is uh, not working very much and the Bee Gees aren't talking to each other. So, you know, it's going to be quite a hard ride. So, but I've got every belief in you. I've heard about your reputation. You get on with people. So, so this so was 1973? 1973. Yep. Yeah. So he put me at 46 Brook Street. Yep. He was a 67, the chairman. And every evening I had to go and report to him what happened. So the first people I signed up were Tim Rice and Andrew Lloyd Webber. Right. Which is a good move. Mm. And they came in, Tim. hello, yeah. mate. want good love cricket? See, you all love cricket. And the uh, first... At lp we um released was joseph and the amazing technicolor dream code mm. so i signed them then i made a record uh, how much is that doggy in the window backwards window doggy how much is sold nine copies the chairman said five five you know, Blah blah. blah blah look david i really need you to help me with the boys so basically i wrote to all the bgs spokesman they all came in we all shook hands embraced and became really friendly and then eric was the same and the success was unprecedented. Yeah, like it was number one in the, in the, in the world. Yeah, after, uh, it took us about five or six years, yeah. and it became the most uh, successful independent record label in the world. And we're at Times Square in New York uh, with Robert, and the top ten were in the Neon Lights, Neil. And we had five of the top ten, Staying Alive, Night Fever, How Deep Is Your Love, More Than A Woman, and Eric Clapton, Lay Down Sally. We had five with The, uh, the Red Cow, How did that make you feel when you see that? Well, you know, I couldn't believe it and I still can't believe it I don't even believe my name when I see my name. I always think it's somebody else It's much easier me talking to you. I'm more interested about you and me telling you all these stories Which are all absolutely true, but I've always deflected in a way because I am more interested in other people so it just so happens it goes quite well so I'm sitting there with the chairman, five out of ten. So he said, right, let's all go and celebrate. So we go to this club. And say, hey man, how you doing? Hey, hey, you doing. <laughs> hey Rob, you can't get, you've got to wear a tie, man. You've got to wear a shirt, you've got to wear a tie like that. And Robert, blah, 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 And after an hour we were all on the white wine, Sauvignon Blanc. I said, Robert, how do you get this in? He said, I, I bought the club. I, right. bought, I bought the club on one condition, nobody can enter with a tie on. Isn't that okay. wonderful? Okay. Yeah. Isn't that, for a man like that, it's great. So anyway, so we did well. And I said, look, Rob, it's time to move on around the roundabout. I've done the cricket. I've done the Fleet Street music. I'd like to be an actor. So he said, fine, but you can't give up the record job,
0: yeah.
1: but I'll help you. And Ken Russell was making Listermania film at Shefton Studios. And Roger Daltrey was List. Ringo was the Pope. And I went down to meet Ken Russell Neil. Yeah. And he said, stand on that chair. And he gave me a revolver, a loaded revolver. He said, fire it into the ceiling. I said, well, what about the lady upstairs doing the typing? She'll get one up the, up the jack seat. You can't do that. Just fire the gun. So I went, boof, right. Captain of the Hussars. Uh, who's your agent? I said, I don't have an agent. It's just me, know, eh? Robert and music. So he sent me a script and I started um, as the captain of the Hussars in Listomania. I did 100 films, and a te- bridge too far was a probably. Bridge too far was the, the big one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah, that's it. Yeah, well done. Well, well researched. <laughs> bridge too far, and that was extraordinary. Um,
0: See, so Robert shoulders with like Sean Connery, Michael. Robert Kay. Redford,
1: Gene Hackman, Ryan O'Neal, Laurence Olivier, and hmm. what happened, Neil? There, the, the casting directors, when I am an actor, all the all the best casting directors were ladies. Maud Spector, was the casting director for James Bond, but Miriam Brickman was the casting director for A Bridge Too Far. So she said, David, David, you're going to meet Richard Attenborough, uh, the dance centre, Eight Floral Street, he said, and uh, I'm going to send you along to meet him. So I go there, I open the door, Neil, there was 2,000 out-of-work actors there. Right. Every out-of-work actor in England was there, 2,000 of them. God's truth. See so him, walks Sir Richard, all right, darlings, okay, sweeties, and his first assistant director was David Tomlin. He said, right, you can't all meet Sir Richard, you're going to meet in sixes, and you have 30 seconds to tell him why you want to be in a bridge too far. So, anyway, Liverpool Frank was the first one, he next to me, all right, Dave, you know, back of the pool, like yeah, Liverpool Frankie, all right, Dave, and he was a big, tall lad, and I was number two, and Richard Cameron said, now, sweetie, what do you mean? I said, Sir Richard, look no further. I'm a cricketer. I'll do the grenades. Let me be the chief grenade thrower on a bridge too far. I can hit a ball. I can throw a ball a hundred yards over the stumps. Put that down, david you know, Cricket. Put that down. Tom's going. Oh, 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 oh. So I said, and that was it. So the recall comes from two thousand. It comes to a thousand, five hundred, and eventually, we were at Twickenham Studios for the third recall, and there was a hundred of us from the original two thousand. And I was the second name called out. Tomlin said, right, number one, Francis Mugen, Liverpool, Frank. Number two, David English. And as I walked past him, he said, what a lot of bollocks about that cricket ball and a grenade throwing. He said, I love it. Anyway, so I, I got the job because of that. And I became very good friends with uh, Attenborough. And I had lots of scenes with Robert Redford, mm-hmm. um, Gene Hackman, as I said, Ryan O'Neill. And I did a big scene with Laurence Olivier. And I was, uh, you know, captain of the... Hugh- captain... Well, I can't remember my name. Um, anyway, so I was in bridge too far. But, Neil, wherever I went in life, cricket was my passion. Yeah. So I said to Sir Richard, before he became Lord Attenborough, why don't I form a little cricket team mm. in between takes, sound running, turnover, action, cut. And while you're setting up the next shot, we'll have a game on the rubble, on the site. We'll get the bat. I said we'll call it the APA, Attenborough's Private Army, right? He said, "Okay, David, darling, I'll leave that to you. Keep mapping, keep mapping. And they did. Redford came along and played. Peter O'Toole, Gene Hackman, they all played. And on this huge war film, bomb sites and things like that, we're playing in between and, scenes. Yeah, yeah, in between scenes, yeah. Attenborough's Private Army. It was wonderful. It was absolutely wonderful. Uh, so, wherever uh, cricket's just been a complete friend of mine, mm. Neil, and an escape. So and then I started the Bunbury. Well, we'll get yeah. to that. Yeah, we're going to start there. Okay, okay, right then. So, was right. it? T- so, when did the
0: actual club and the cricket uh, yeah. team form? And yeah. Am I correct to say was it first called the Eric Clapton? Yeah, yeah, thing?
1: right. Well done. You've yeah. done. You've, you've done. I'm very, very um, impressed. Eric Clapton. When in my music days, he said, no, Arthur, you used to call me Arthur because no. there's a comedian called Arthur English. Arthur. This all this cricket stuff. What is it?" I said, "Look, El." look, why don't we form a team, the Eric Clapton eleven, and we'll get all the boys, Phil Collins and all that lot, and we'll raise money for charity. He said, all right, I'll f-. I said, all you've got to do is just turn up, Eric. So the first game was at his old school, Ripley Court School mm. in Surrey. And I swear to you, Neil, the rain fell, and in our team was Clapton, Bill Wyman at first slip, drinking red wine... Eric looking the other way with a raincoat on, with a fag on. Phil Collins, uh, Ringo Starr, Dennis Waterman, Leslie Grantham. 5,000 people were there in the rain, and we raised £27,000 for the Royal Marsden Hospital in Guildford. So everybody won, and that's the ethos of life. Mm. Eric enjoyed it. The people loved to see the big stars fish out of water. We played the game, and... The proceeds went to a good cause. So, so I, what year was that first? Practice? Nineteen. That was the uh, nineteen. Help me out. Was it nineteen eighty 1980... seven? Yeah. I think Thank you. That... <laughs> Thank you. Thirty-four years ago. Yeah. Thirty-four, thirty-five yeah. years ago. 98 7. And and so it was the Eric Clapton eleven. And we, we we had them all. You know, playing. Bill Wyman played. And this became a regular occurrence. So every Sunday. Every Sunday we played. Yeah. yeah. And then. I changed it to the Bunbury 11 after my children's books, which were doing quite well, but Eric stayed in the team because he wasn't always available. Mm-hmm. So, But it did start with Eric Clapton, yeah, uh, and I indebted to him. But then it became the Bunbury 11, and we, that's it. We played every Sunday, and we've raised £17 million pounds since we started for Hope for Tomorrow, NSPCC, Save the Children, any, any good cause you know people used to write to me and i used to phone up the boys and uh, say right dave where we playing we had a wonderful run i'd say neil we had them all playing for us you know we'll get on to the schools in a minute but ben stokes butler root all the england players have been bunbury's you know they've all played and they've all had a hell of a time and so that was it and then you want to know about the schools side yes obviously the english schools then came yeah Yeah, they came to to me they came to me they were were a bit short of money they were short of money Absolutely, Neil. And uh, the Cyril Cooper, who is the general secretary of the England Schools Cricket Association, said, "Dave, will you help us out? Our England Schools Under-15 Festival will cease to be unless we find the finance to put it on. We, we run out of money." And we were at the home of Ben Brocklehurst, who is the proprietor of the Cricketer magazine. Wow. He was the one who told me about Cyril Cooper. Mm-hmm. He brought us together. He said, David, I want you to meet, you know, a bit like Attenborough, really. I want you to meet some um, Cyril Cooper, who was wonderful. He looked like a night owl. He had spectacles on him. And I said, Cyril, I'd be honoured on one condition, that you call it the Bunbury English Schools Cricket Festival, after my showbiz team and my books. My books. And he did. And we started off 1987 Harrow School. And I'll always remember the first players i saw who went on to play for england john crawley ronnie irani um were the first two to play for england harrow then we went on Charterhouse, blah 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 and up to now 109 bunbury's have played for england saki saki Mahmood is 109th tom bantam is 108 going back was sibley zach crawley Uh, 1039 have played first class cricket 109 have played for England, and 17 million we've raised through the charity teams. So that's really what the Bunburys have done since we started, yeah.
0: And then actual, the festival itself, Yeah. explain a little bit about that. It's 56 of the best
1: at under-15 level. Absolutely, Neil, that's exactly it. And to play in the Bunbury Festival, you have to play for your school team, like you went to Mill Hill, for instance, school team, so it would be Mill Hill... Then you'd have a trial for Middlesex schools and then you'd have a trial for London and the East. So it goes school, team, county, region. And there's four regions, London, the East, um, the South and West, Midlands and the North. So you go school, county, region and then the four regions come to a school each year. Last year was Felsted. this year's Eastbourne College and they play in a round robin competition. So, you take it out of the hat, London and the East might play North, but they all play each other. And at the end, we get the best team, and that is the Bunbury 11, and they will play at Lord's the following year.
0: Oh, right. So, that's how. Yeah, yeah, there's
1: an incentive. It's all about incentive. And uh, yeah, so, so they're they're very good. And it's so much fun. It's such a relief dealing with youngsters because they're looking forward, they want to play for England. Mm. You know,
0: that at that is, age, uh, That said. is
1: the ultimate thing. And they see all the Bunbury's who have played, you know. 2006, we were at Preston Nomads. It was Brighton. And we had Ben Stokes, Butler, Root, Zafar Ansari, um, Jack Leach, and one or two others. That was the most from one festival, yeah. uh, Neil. Uh, I remember all the festival Moen Alley, 2001. Alistair Cook, Ampleforth College, was Ravi Bopara, James Hildreth, Alistair Cook. So every festival I remember, and four or five from each will go on to play for England. Yeah. And then
0: also, as you said, all this was kind of self-funded from yourself. Yeah. And then I think I believe is it 2018. You had a conversation with Colin Graves about yeah. it, uh, about it coming under the ECB
1: wing. Well, well, Neil, Neil, Neil. How I funded it was, I got sponsorship. Yeah. I used to go out with my can and rattle, you know, and I Bentley came in, nestles, shredded wheat, and they would take advertising in the, in the um, brochure or they would put money into the thing. So I f- funded it by getting sponsorship from outside. And then 2018, Gravesley, Colin Graves, the chairman, he said, Dave, uh, dear lad, I want to talk to you. He said, the festival, he said, we want to take it over. So it will no longer be the Bunbury English Schools Cricket Association Festival. We'll call it the ECB David English Bunbury Festival. I said, oh, yeah, on one condition, that the masters and my Esker family must be included. You know, I, I'm saying they're my family, you, you know, the schoolmasters. It's all voluntarily. For 30-odd 30 years, 31 years or whatever, we've done it. Me raising the money, them organising it, And that's how it worked. So, but obviously, ECB gives us a stamp of Of authority authority. on on it. So I said, OK, Cole, and that's it. And um, so it's the ECB David English Bunbury Festival now, yeah. And who are the best players to come through it, in your opinion? Right. Andrew Flintoff was the most rumbustious, wonderful Freddie. Bowling, flat out, batting. David Sales of Surrey, hit the ball the hardest. Marcus Strascothic hit the ball the furthest. Um, Joe Root was quite angelic, you know. Uh, what a wonderful timer. Stokesy, quite a quiet fellow, but on the field terrific battler. Very fine player. I, one or two that I thought would have gone on to play for him. That yeah. James Hildreth, mm. 15 was superb. I thought he would have played england and i thought david sales would have played for england of surrey but they didn't quite make it um some people develop later neil in all walks of the life great alistair cook how was well, he as a well, youngster uh, he's just, he's, well what a legend you know 2000 uh what a night and team player always looking out for the team left-hander good cutter of the ball and a good sweeper not bad off drive ian bell technically would be one of the best definitely um and then all the others you no know, the quickest
0: po- at that age that you've seen quickest bowler
1: Ooh, uh that's a good question i would say saki marmood is is quick Flintoff on his day was fast yeah. definitely um let's just think Stuart broad yes yeah, fast um Spinner Wise, Adil Rashid, wonderful. He won the most awards at the festival. We at Shrewsbury School, and I think it was 2003. D- double check on uh, it like that. And he won best all rounder, best spin bowler, best batsman. And he said, "Dave, I'm I'm off to Bradford now." And as he walked down the steps of the cricket pavilion, Neil, he clutching all these trophies, he fell into the rhododendrons. Dev. I said, come on, Jill. So I got him up and his dad was there. Wonderful. And his dad in his basement in Bradford built him a net. So he oh, actually wow. had his own net. Adil Rashid, terrific, spin bowler, wonderful. Moen Ali, very, very naturally gifted, lovely fellow too. They're all lovely
0: lads. And who's the one, one or two players that you've seen come through the boundary and didn't go on to even play first-class cricket. Any names that kind of stick well, in your mind?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Zafar Ansari, who yeah. did, he did play first-class cricket for he played for England Cup of tea. Yeah, 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 he, he did. I said Zaf, he, he, he won the award in that 2006 one with um, Root, Stokes, Butler. Yeah, that's another one, Joss Butler. Extraordinary talent. Most modest man in the world. With a cricket bat. Absolute. Hit it far. Miles, Neil. Yeah. Hit it miles. So anyway, Zafar, he got an award for the uh, the man of the festival, all-round good bloke. I said, so, Zaf, career, batting, bowling, whatever. He said, no, Dave, I want to be a, um, a concert pianist. He said, that's why I want to be, a concert pianist. And so he did. He left. It's funny, Neil, there are some boys who I think will go on and play and actually go into other careers there's a lad at lancashire i think he's still there called george lavelle brilliant he was at malvern college festival in worcestershire just a few years ago and he had england written all over him right now i don't know if he's still playing or whatever but i'd to put my money on george lavelle definitely going on and 2005, you know, the Ashes-winning yeah, squad. Yeah,
0: Um I think one tabloid newspaper termed me the godfather of cricket. That's it. Um, yeah. When you read kind of
1: stuff like that... You Daily see, Telegraph.
0: You see that like, Andrew Flint or Michael Vaughan yeah, yeah. all come through your
1: system. Yeah, 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 yeah. make you proud? Well, you know, Neil, this is such a good question. It makes me f- f- feel very proud in moments I might be in Sainsbury's or Waitrose doing that and suddenly I think wow and then when I see them play sometimes I can't even believe it's happened it's like living in a dream Mm. because it's something I love so much cricket it does make me very proud when I had my first book launch and Freddie Flintoff walks in there England playing at Lords and he had his England blazer on and like that and Michael Vaughan walked in I said thanks lad no David anything for you mate do anything for you and I've, I think that's really rather special. And Ashley Giles, I always send them little um, emails, you know, good luck, lads, you know, tomorrow, South Africa and all that. Ashley Giles said, Dave, on behalf of the whole team, thanks for all you do. What you do for everybody here is great. We all love getting your messages, you know. And so uh, most uh,
0: of the World Cup winning yeah,
1: team yeah,
0: actually yeah, came yeah, through the system. Yeah,
1: yeah. They gave you a call afterwards, they, after the winning moment? They did, they did, they did. They, and they're all around the phone and they're all going, Dave, yeah, hello, mate, you know, do you remember Nando's? They always go on about the Nando's night out. They always yeah. think that's marvellous when they sing karaoke and all that, yeah. yeah. Johnny Bairstow and all that. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I'm very proud, yeah. And
0: um, can you give us a little insight into what, the, what they said after that winning moment, after winning the World
1: Cup? Towards do, you? Do, do you know what it was? Because I can't remember. What did they say? Tell me, tell me. <laughs> Remind me. Thank you, actually. Yeah, 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 no, no, well, 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 they always say, Dave, thanks a lot, Dave, uh, some call me the loon, uh, Dr. Dave, Dr. Dave, because i got an honorary doctorate at Middlesex University, they call me Dr. Dave, so they say, thanks for everything, and do you know how they repay me, Neil, they come and play in my charity team, whenever they're free, they'll come, Johnny Best plays Moen, we, they say Dave will do anything, because you've got us started, you discovered us at the Bunbury Festival and you stayed with us as our friend. So we will so Bunbury. Yeah, once a Bunbury, always a Bunbury. A Bunbury stands for freedom, stands for the fun, stands for ever being young. Do a good turn unto others, never turn from your quest, for you are a Bunbury and a Bunbury does his best. Wow. And they all get that little speech and we all shake hands. So it's like a brotherhood. It's Tom Brown's school days, but it's a brotherhood. Once a Bunbury, always a Bunbury. And we're all there to help each other. So when we get together, it's like a brotherhood.
0: Yeah. And any famous stories that have come through the years uh, during the festival? Was there something? It was. I've, I read back. Was there one of the Neville brothers and Sir Alex Ferguson? Was there a? Oh there? my goodness! Thank you.
1: Blimey, nef- Blimey, you're a star. 1991, Bromsgrove School. Alex Ferguson came down, and Gary and Phil Neville were really good. They yeah, played. For, very talented. They would were play for the North. Mm. They were excellent cricketers. As was Elliot Daly, by the way, the rugby player. Yeah, okay. There have been other boys who've gone on to play for other things, but Phil Neville and Gary Neville would have gone on to play for England. And Alex Ferguson said to their dad, who's called Neville, by the way, Neville Neville, mm. that's his dad, right? Right, son, Philip, you've got to make you've got to make a decision. Is it cricket or is it football? I said, Mr. Ferguson, they're only fifteen. Wow, that y- is, y- yeah. you know they're under fifteen. Surely they've got time. They're going to develop. Went no. I want to know now. I want to know now. And they picked football. And that was it. They went off and played football. I think they played for Lancashire second team. But they would have gone and played for England. So that was sad. But no, Fergie was their boy, you know. Yeah. As are lots of scouts now, Neil, because they are England's future. And uh, that, so people do come down there. And, yeah, they, they do come down there. And some other stories,
0: I've heard of stuff about... That famous nando's nights as you said ben
1: stokes pouring oh wonderful you're you're such a good lad right 1990 no 2006 preston nomads i take them all to brighton nando's in brighton and i actually saw ben stokes pour peri peri sauce into joe roots coca-cola i caught him doing it always remember that and so we had a big you know, laugh about this, all be laugh. The year before, 2005, we're at Newquay and uh, they're doing, climbing up the cliffs and doing all that. Then we went into Nando's and Johnny Bestow led the karaoke like a shot, you know, real... Best singer? Yeah. Well, I would say he had a good voice. Zafar Ansari had a very good voice. Um, and sometimes Eric Clapton and Barry Gibb will come down not to Hernando's night, but they would come down and and Barry would get the guitar out. We could have a sing song as well. Yeah, yeah. So they've all they've all contributed, but they're all cheeky boys. They're full of spirit. They're very lively. They're very ambitious, and invariably very good at other sports. They all play football. Now I know they've got to be careful. I know that one or Some two have been banned. In, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they all played, you know, other, other sports. say, Elliot Daly. I, I think one or two of them, uh, Freddie Flintoff, definitely. Good footballer, uh, they have an eye for the ball. Yeah, have you got any other stories? They've gone. Remind me. Come on. Those are the
0: ones I can. Uh,
1: oh, you've uh, help the, me there. The, you the, see, that's that's. I'll look back on. See, I need the memory refreshing.
0: And then you also uh, mentioned off camera about uh, the two under fifteen yes, World cups Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Talk yeah, a little
1: yeah. bit about that. Well, Neil, like everything in life, you want to be the best at what you do, and I think that everything's possible, which is very tiring for people with me, but not really, because I always try and make it fun. So whether you're running a record label or running the Bunbury's, get everybody involved, make sure they're having a better time than you do. Always give them more than you take. Then they come back again. So, you know, they get their shirts, their caps, bats, whatever, make it, and they think, that's great, yeah, we'll be there next week, Dave, great. So I thought, right, let's, what's the best thing we can do? Let's have a World Cup for kids. So... Once again, the under 15 was the age when you're not a child anymore and you're not an adult, you're adolescent. So you're faintly worldly-wise, but you're still peeking over the Coca-Cola cans, really, in a way, you know. So I said, OK, look, let's do a World Cup. And a friend of mine was John Morgan, who was the financial director of Lombard, the bank. And he's a great Bunbury man. I said, John, I'd love to do a World Cup. Would you sponsor it? He said how much would it cost i said it cost a million pounds so he said well i'll have to go back to my directors and do this blah 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 he said but can you give anything that would help me would would be um appreciated so i went and saw the head of sky sports vic wakeling top man i was doing a program on sky called how's that which is a bit of a crazy program harry the fish would love that kind of thing and vic wakeling i said look vic if i can raise a million pounds would you film the final and the two semi-finals and the competition itself, he said, I will. And he got his secretary there in front of me. He dictated a letter. He said, in the event of David English raising a million pounds, we here at Sky Sports will confirm that we will um, film the competition. So I went back to John Morgan and it took me 18 months. And after 18 months, he came back and said, yes, they've said yes. pulled the Lombard World Challenge. And it was the uh, semi-finals at Trent Bridge. And Headingley, final at Lords, And it was India versus Pakistan. And there was a huge punch-up. There were 10,000 people there, Neil. Wow. And um, the, it, it was fantastic. And suddenly there was a riot. 5,000 Indian lads came over here. 5,000 Pakistani came. And there was a riot on the pitch. And the next day, uh, the day you say, the well, godfather of English cricket, panic runs riled. In schoolboy school final. Panic runs wild in schoolboy final. And the, the umpire's been carried off and all that. And we had 10,000 people there. It was fantastic. Wow. It was really, really great. And uh, India won. And um, there they are. They're up there on top of the world. There it is, Neil. Look, over there. See, look, there it is. That's John Morgan. That's the uh, Lombard World Cup. Yep. And so then my other very close friend was Colin Graves, who was the chairman of Cost Yeah. And Gravesy was was... Um, Wonderful sponsor of the Bunbury's. I went and saw Graves. I said, look, can we do another one? And he was very clever. He went to all his concessionaires and like round trees or wheat big shredded wheat nestles. And he got the sponsorship from his um, suppliers plus his own money. And that was another million pounds. And that was the Costcutter world challenge in wow. 2000. Uh, and the West Indies won that. And once again, Headingley, Trent Bridge, semi-finals, final at Lords, And we had 10,000 there. So I've done two World Cups. Yeah, yeah. And And the other one, by the way, I want to talk to you, Neil. In 1992, I insisted that we brought the South African boys over. All this apartheid nonsense, absolute nonsense. Sport oversees things. There are some things in life where everybody should, everybody should have the opportunity to shine, to do well. And I went to South Africa. I said, look, if I will pay for the South African under-15 side to come to England and have the first ever tour of South Africans in this country, right? And we did, 1992. And they all came over, and they were so polite, the lads. Hmm. They were wonderful. I don't know if Jack Callis was there. I, I, there were one or two. I think Pollock might have been there. And we had the final at Lords again. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah, the first ever tour out of South Africa, when apartheid was lifted or whatever you want to call eased or whatever, mm. plus the two World Cups, yeah. Amazing. And then how
0: do you see the game as a whole at the moment? they've so just won the World Cup, yeah. um, test team, up yeah. and down slightly, Yeah, um, cricket man to the core, how, how do you see it?
1: Well, there is a, a lot of cricket. The way I see it, Neil, is this. I'm an old-fashioned bloke, 74 with a young heart and when i was on the ground staff at lords i learned more about cricketers they're bowling in the nets to the great players you know uh, well, there's embry and Edmonds and all those blokes you know playing for middlesex mike brearley and everything and you learn more from county cricket i believe county cricket is the basis of the game it's the foundation first of all you you become enamored by the game at school you play in the playground And you know 100 aside and bash it all around there and and then you play some club cricket then you get a trial for a county and you learn your trade in county cricket and test cricket must be the ultimate ultimate game no question about it school county england that has to continue i realize how exciting t20 is it's exhilarating to see Jason Roy, Best Owen Butler go out there and blaze away. They're taught range hitting now, Neil. The boys mm-hmm. tell me. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, in the nets now, it used to be, you know, this and that, sweeps and little. And the, but then they cultivated the little chips and the kind of improvised shots. And range hitting. Yeah, it, it, That's part of it. So the bowling machine's on there. And they're seeing how so Jason Roy will hit the first ball for six out of the ground. That's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. So I've seen these the things change. So I think T20 is a wonderful showbiz. It's a it's a great kind of uh, exhibition, and people love it because uh, they don't wait for you know five days for a test match. But the purists, it's great to see people actually making it, like Alistair Cook uh, building innings. T20 is an instant gratification. Then you've got the hundred competition, which is yet another one coming. Then you've got all the IPL leagues, uh, you know, where they can go and make a few bob. The boys can make money now. They can make serious dosh. thank goodness, because cricket is is a poor neighbour to football in terms of salaries, Mm. you know, football. Somebody told me that Gareth Bale gets £600,000 a week. Mm. Aguero gets £350,000 a week. Well, that's £1.2 million a month, Neil. That's extraordinary, isn't it? So cricket, we're not in that league, but the boys do go. When they're not playing for the country, they go off and... and, uh, have that will travel but i believe still it should be school county cricket england and then the other stuff is showbiz
0: and why not and do you think enough is being done at the grassroots level to bring the uh well boys and well, girls through the system well uh, this, this is a at very school, yeah exactly.
1: very, very important point here the public schools obviously the private schools have got all the facilities excuse me i had to go to the dentist the other day so my teeth i, f- I feel like kind of um uh, a donkey i look like a donkey as well i've done that yeah. Don Quixote, anyway the the private school like like mill hill and you know um stowe and all these wonderful schools they've got all the facilities the state schools don't have those facilities they don't have a cricket field not all of them they might have a field which is used for all sport, football, cricket and whatever. So, invariably, children will go to a local club and learn the game. I think it's essential. It's essential. Sport is the most healthy outlet. A youngster, their energy, Neil, I see them all. On and off the field, they're full of spirit, they're full of nonsense, but they want to play the game. So, every secondary school, if it's that, or comprehensive school, I believe should have a sports field definitely they may not have a resident coach like the public schools do but all the lads i know all the england lads they would gladly go and voluntarily coach at state schools so everybody must have the same opportunity neil i I don't know in india and pakistan i should imagine can you imagine going to a school in in mumbai or Karachi and then say oh, no we don't play cricket here Or we don't, they, you know there'd be a riot wouldn't there yeah. so, so I think everybody should have the opportunity to, to excel, what you should do Neil, like everything in life you should have the opportunity to show what you've got to the people that matter that's it I know that you know you can write a letter and you don't get a reply or whatever but what you do this is the secret between you and I Always find the man at the top, the man who can make the decisions, and somehow get to him. Find out where he gets his car washed, who's his gardener, or whatever. Get a message to him. Meet him by mistaken waitress. Oh, hello, uh, Mr. Attenborough. How are you, sir? Oh, you're making this from far. Well, I could grenades, something like that. Meet them, fish out of water. Because forget all that secretaries and going through the channels and sending in your CV and all that i know you have to do it but i i care for my language but it is bollocks all that you've got to get to the man who can say yes or no and they'll like your spirit your pluck. so well you're a, uh, an adventurous young man how do you know that i went to waitrose like this oh i didn't know sir but i know that you're directing that film well, i know that you run middlesex cricket or whatever and uh, my son archie is a leg break bowler and i you would love to have a, a trial oh archie where is he here archie come here come here this is um, the president of Middlesex like that. All right, well, um, I'll speak to the coach uh, and you phone them and I'll make sure that Archie has a chance rather than, dear Mr. De, my son Archibald would love to be considered for a place on your staff. And they're very good. They, everybody gets trials, but if you can, if you can um, accelerate that, yes. you know, because it's important, because I think you should be an actor. And it make you today, it's my opinion, because you've got the right look. And uh, I, I honestly, sincerely think you should have a go. Or definitely presenting. Presenting, particularly because you look good. And, and that's, in America, that is 90% of the thing. The fact is that you have a way with a camera and you look good and you love the game, to me, that says you should be in front of the camera. That's my own personal opinion, right? Uh, sadly, I don't have um, a film company or whatever. I'm just a one man band. I'm Mr. Bunbury, whatever. But if I did, I'd, I'd get you in. <laughs> no, no, I appreciate that. I'd get uh, you in because of your enthusiasm and the love of the game. But you look right, and people like to see the uh, TV. You know, I'm not just, this is not false flattery. It's, it's if you look right, uh, the camera loves you.
0: No, no, I appreciate that, David. But obviously, oh, it's all about yourself. You know, fantastic story. What a man. Well, um, I, I, as I said at the top, a complete honour for myself to no, meet you.
1: Well, it's very nice for you to say that.
0: And um, thank you very much today.
1: Well, well, Neil, I'm very overwhelmed. Very few people come to Bunbury Towers. They can never find me. I always say I live between, somewhere between nowhere and goodbye. But we're surrounded by all these memories. But you've refreshed the memory. I haven't done this for a long time, you know. When we, when we started off and everything... Uh, it's nice to be called the Godfather in English cricket. I think people know it. The thing I want to ask you, Neil, is that if I got run over tomorrow, I hope they keep keep the David English Bunbury Festival the name. I think that 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 I would like. I would like it always to be called the David English Bunbury Festival, because we have done well, and and I, I would like the name to carry on the system when speaks I'm not for here. itself. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm not here, you know, and all the boys will they've all got a story to tell, and I'd, I'd like to keep that going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Perfect, David. Thank, yeah, thank you very you. much. You're very mo- Welcome, Neil. Thank you.
1: No, the pleasure's mine, absolutely. So, New York Hagoram, cricket Stories,
0: David English. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you. Welcome, Neil.